0: welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast. As a church, it's our hope that the proclamation of God's Word on Sundays will turn into the application of God's Word in our daily lives, leading to the transformation of people in our local communities. To that end, we pray that this podcast can serve to further equip you with more insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go to make disciples. Thank you for joining us here today, and let's get started as we dive into this week's discussion. All right. Well, hey there, group leaders, and welcome to week two of our study through the Prophecies of the King series as we're working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. This week, we are in Matthew 24, continuing on this week in verses 36 through 51. The key point from this text this week is ultimately that Christians should be ready and prepared for the arrival of Christ. So last week, if you were with us, Doug and I sat down and talked through a little bit of some eschatology. As we look at at chapter 24 and many of the verses that are in here, uh, Jesus is beginning all of these prophecies. He's telling the disciples and he's telling everyone listening what is to come. And last week we learned that many of the prophecies in Matthew 24 had to do with the actual temple uh, of that day that was to be destroyed. And so Jesus prophesied those things. And he also talks about his parousia or his second coming when he is coming back, uh, specifically in answer to what the disciples were asking him. So this week we continue on a little bit more. And the big theme from the sermon this week, as Pastor Ryan led us through, is it's way less important for us to be focusing on how and when these things are going to be happening so much as it is to be ready for them when they do come. And so Jesus is going to uh, just break through uh, our expectation and really set the precedent of how his people should really walk and do ministry uh, anticipating his coming arrival. So that's our big topic for this week. Uh, Why don't we dive into this discussion guide as per usual, we have a getting started section here uh, with the video from Pastor Ryan, a quick icebreaker, and then just an opening question if you'd like to use it uh, to see kind of what stood out to some folks. Then the rest of the discussion is broken into three parts. So the first one is talking about what it actually means to be ready for the Son of Man that is Jesus, of course. Number two, talking about if readiness is being faithful and wise, being a faithful and wise servant, then what does that mean? How do we actually do that? How do we do that? Well, and how do we live in anticipation for Christ? And then lastly, talking about how we should long for Jesus as his people. So those are our three, uh, just discussion topics for the night. And I'm going to work us through here, uh, in some of the questions that we came up with for this week. Unfortunately, this week I'm alone. Uh, Pastor Doug, our pastor of theology, had to run home today, uh, to pick up his kids, uh, which is a bad thing. Doug's got a lot of phenomenal, uh, content to add. And there's a couple things that Doug and I sat down to talk through that we would really like to get through. So we're, uh, hopefully going to be recording another deep dive this week, maybe talking a little bit about kinosis, if you know what that means. So look forward to that. We're expecting to record that sometime this week and have it ready for you. Uh, if not by Sunday, then early next week. All right, so let's dive into this. In our first section here, we're going to be talking about the readiness for the Son of Man. And so we're going to read through Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. Now, in this passage, Ryan really highlighted it this week, talking about how it's really far more important to be focused on being ready for Jesus than it is to be concerned about signs and the how and the when of when he's going to be coming. So a couple of questions here. Number one, What do you think it means to actually be ready for Jesus? Now, this is coming directly from Matthew 24, verse 44, uh, in which he says, Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So this is Jesus saying, we should be be prepared. We should be ready for him to come. But what does that actually mean? What does it mean to be ready for Jesus? And just, you know, a simple answer to that is we should live as Christians. We should live as Jesus's people. If Jesus is promising that he is coming back, that there is going to be a judgment at the end of the age. If, if during this time we should be living and loving one another, as Jesus has given us that example, that we should be carrying out the great commission, that we should take every thought captive. If, you know, like all of these things that we should be doing, that's what we should be doing. That's the point of our life. We shouldn't just be sitting here saying, well, if I live... So at the end of the age, or I've got 60 years left or whatever else that might be, and you know, let come what may, you know what I mean? No, it's what a waste, you know, what a waste of our life, what a waste of the opportunity that Jesus has given us for ministry. And so we should be awake, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Be ready, be prepared. We do not know the time or the hour that he is coming. So question number two, for many people, both Christian and not, the second coming of Christ is not something that they often choose to think about. Why do you think this is? And the second part of that question, have you ever felt this way yourself? I would just say, you know, my answer to this question might be that we don't like thinking about things that make us uncomfortable, especially not in this age and in kind of the culture that we live in, you know, we, we try to avoid the things that make us uncomfortable or make us feel icky. And so the thought of, of God judging our sin or the thought of Jesus coming back and the world changing as we know it is, is not you know, for the non-Christian especially, is not something comfortable to think about. I don't really want to think about that, and so a lot of times we hear uh, excuses like, "Well, I'll think about that later," or, "Or maybe if I'm getting closer to my deathbed, I'll start thinking." Which, you know, we see proofs of this all throughout history. You know, as, as tragedies happen, or as you know, when people get on planes, or if something devastating happens in their lives, or if there's a diagnosis of some kind, all of a sudden, you know, people are way more willing to start praying. They're way more willing to start talking to God. And you know, why is it that it? It's only in those situations that we're willing to go to God. Why not in these times? Um, of, of peace, of prosperity, uh, if, if indeed they are those times, but why not now? Why not every moment? Why would we not live, uh, for Jesus and think about these things ahead of time? And so I, I would say just as culturally and socially, you know, it's not something that we really want to think about. You know, one of the things I joke around with, uh, with Pastor Doug actually is there's a lot of people that eat meat that hate the idea of killing animals. And, It's ironic because, you know, in order to eat chicken or a cheeseburger or pepperoni pizza, you know, there's an animal that died in order for us to do that. And it's just kind of, you know, we're comfortable enough to eat the food, but not comfortable enough to actually think about what went into that uh, and actually reconcile those things. So, uh, you know, that's just a little bit of a caricature of our culture, I would say. And then number two, have you ever felt this way yourself? I have. I I know I have. You know, as I sit here as a pastor at Emergence Church, I know that many times in in my life, um, especially before I was a Christian, I didn't really want to think about what would happen at the end of my life. And especially as a young Christian, I didn't want to think about what would happen if I died. And now even as a Christian, I still, you know, if I'm honest, even still thinking about Jesus coming back, it's like, you know, am I making the most of every moment of my life? You know, when I'm standing before Jesus, knowing my own sin nature, like, am I going to look at my life and be embarrassed? Am I going to look at my ministry and be embarrassed or wish that I had done more or have regrets? You know, I think that's a thought that all of us probably have and I think, to a certain extent, it's probably a healthy thing, you know, to to want to take every thought captive, to look at our life and look at our testimony, and just ask the question, Lord, am I doing everything I can? And if I'm not, Lord, would you give me, uh, would you give me the courage to step forward? Would you show me where you would have me go? Um, if your group's willing to be honest with that question. Last one for this section, number three. How would you personally respond to somebody who thinks that there is always tomorrow? And so, <clears throat> you know, if I was going to answer this, especially just given this week, I would probably point to Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, if, if you're familiar with Kobe Bryant, he's a basketball player and uh, he was in a tragic, tragic, car, um, uh, helicopter accident, uh, this past week. And he and I think nine other people died in a helicopter crash, including his young daughter. And it's just, it's devastating. And all over social media, you see the entire world, uh, just mourning for the loss of what many consider to be an incredible hero, uh, inside of the sports community. And, you know, looking at that, it's just like you look at this, at this player in his prime, this, you know, he has the world available to him. He's got a, you know, a family and just, all of a sudden lights out, you know, and I think the conversation starts at the at the reality of saying, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed, not for you, not for me, not for Kobe Bryant or any of us, you know, at any moment uh life, you know, our life as we know it could be over. And, you know, if we keep just saying, well, I'll think about that later, you know, uh, you know, what is it? What is it that you would think about later? You know, is it you, we are eternal beings. Is it the entirety of eternity that you'll push off to tomorrow? Because, you know, it's, it's kind of important to think about that. You know, have you ever really considered it? If, if you weren't here tomorrow, are there parts of your life that you would have regrets about? Are there certain things that you would miss? Are there certain things that you would feel are undone? And chief among those is, you know, if, you know, and this is a conversation I have with non-Christian friends. If there is a God, you know, and, and history would suggest that Jesus really did exist and he really said what he said. We have, you know, proofs of those things. Um, Have you ever thought about that? You know what I mean? What if you're wrong? You know, Uh just as far as, you know, an evangelistic conversation, perhaps. <laughs> Uh, second section here, we've entitled The Faithful and the Wise Servant. So in this one, we're focusing in on kind of the second truth that Ryan offered in the sermon this week, which is um, that we need to remember that God will call each of us to give account for what we've done with our lives and and what is entrusted to us to steward, right? And this idea of stewardship is a biblical uh, idea. It's a biblical principle that all things that we have, you know, this time, this moment of wherever you are listening to this podcast, this very moment has been given to you to steward. What will you do with your time? What will you do uh, with your life, with your family, with your treasure, your resources, your talents, your gifts. What would you, what, what, how do you steward your body? How do you steward your words? You know, God's given us all of these things and how do we steward those things well? So I'm going to ask for a volunteer to read the next part of the section here, verses 45 to 51. And then uh question number four reads, in your own words, how would you describe what the life of a faithful and wise servant of God should look like? Um, again, uh, I think I answered this a little bit earlier. I, I would just say that this is living in response to God's truths, you know? God's called us to walk and, uh, as his people to reflect Jesus, well, to carry out the great commission, uh, and the great commandment. And so what does it actually mean to, to carry the truth of the gospel to the ends of the age, right? To go and make disciples, you know, what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourselves? What does it mean to love Jesus? Well, you know, these are the things I think, you know, if we're going to be wise, I think these are kind of the chief things that we should really be thinking on and really praying about. Question number five, what are some things in your life that God has entrusted to you to steward and where do you personally feel that God is calling you to be more faithful? So leaders, I would suggest answering this question, uh, first, if you can, for your group and just kind of set the pace a little bit, you know, some examples of things that God's called, called you to steward, you know, maybe your family, uh, your job, uh, your resources, time, talent, treasure is often how I would respond to that. And, um, where can you be more faithful with those things? I think for me, you know, if I was going to answer this for my own community group, it's probably time, you know, I'm, I'm really, really rigorous with my time. I've got a calendar and scheduling apps and my calendar is always really, really full I think that's just kind of how God's wired me to want to continue moving from thing to thing. But if I'm not careful, you know, if I don't have something pre-programmed, I don't do it. Right. So I program times to read my Bible. I program times. I even, I even program margin into my schedule because you know, it's just wise and healthy to do that. But if I'm not careful, there's a lot of moments in my life where I'm interrupted by things that aren't on the schedule that, that, you know, for lack of a better term, are just God moments, you know, somebody that's really reaching out for help. And am I willing to sacrifice my time and my schedule or whatever my next meeting is or next appointment is to be here in this moment that God's put in front of me. So for me, I think if there's one area in my own life that I think God could make me more faithful with, it's probably with my time and not allowing that to become an idol in my life. So that might be an example that I share with my community group uh, tonight, just for, for an example. Question number six here in the sermon, Ryan mentioned that there is a difference between being actively wicked and passively wicked. What do you think that this means and how would you explain it in your own words? So you may have heard us talk about in the past, uh, we refer to, you know, uh, the sin of commission and the sin of omission, right? And so uh, the sin of commission, uh, comes from the word commit, right? You, uh, commission is something that you do. It's something that you act upon. So if, if I'm going to, um, to commit a sin, I'm going to actively and, and, uh, with, with all intention, go and do that thing, right? So if I'm going to offend you and say, you're a jerk, that's a sin of commission commission, right? <clears throat> but a sin of omission is something that you omit or something that you don't do. And oftentimes, especially for Christians, we can fall prey to this if we're not careful. You know, there's, there's many things that we walk by and say, okay, well, I know I shouldn't do some of these, you know, God's called me to a life of purity, for example. And I know I shouldn't go do this thing or commit this thing or have any bad language or thought, leave my, you know, leave my mouth or enter my brain. I, I know that. But what about the sins of omission? What about those things that I know I should do? Because they bring glory and honor to Christ, but I, I choose not to do or I just ignore. Those are the sins of omission. And when Ryan this weekend was talking about being passively wicked versus actively wicked, this is really what he's talking about. To be actively wicked is to go and and sin to actively, to hurt people, to um to destroy or or, uh, damage, um, you know, people or uh, the church or ministry, whatever that might be. But the sin of omission oftentimes can be found among Christians. For those that are crying out for help or those that – refuse to serve or just don't want to think about it or their schedule's too busy for the things of Christ or don't read their Bible because they don't have time for it in the morning. You know, those would be some examples of a sin of omission. Um, So that's kind of what Ryan was talking about in that section here. Now, this last section, longing for Jesus, talking a little bit about what does it actually mean to long for Christ? You know, um and so for this one we're going to turn to Philippians 1 verses 18 uh B through 26. And this is really, you know, the key verse that I I'd love for you guys to really hang on here is verse 121. You probably know it. It's a you know coffee cup uh verse, you know, so to speak, oftentimes it says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? Philippians one twenty-one. And when we focus in on this, you know, <clears throat> what does that actually mean? What is Paul actually saying with this verse? And so there's a couple of questions here um, pertaining to this. So number seven, what is Paul's attitude here toward the prospect of departing and being with Christ? Obviously for Paul, he recognizes very clearly that there is work to be done, that there's ministry opportunities for him, that God has him here for a reason to accomplish uh the mission the the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations to spread the gospel to love those well to reflect jesus to build the church right he's very aware of that but to be with jesus is a gain right and this is this is so important and and especially for this week and if there's one thing that hopefully your group will get right if there's one thing that they will walk out of your home with tonight or uh wherever you guys meet if if they're going to walk out with one thing tonight it's the it's this one singular truth that God has me here for a reason, uh, to reflect Jesus well, to love others, to carry out the Great Commission, to share the gospel, right? And despite all of the blessings that may be in my life, if I truly love Jesus, if I truly see him as Lord, as Savior, as King, as my God, then to be with him is far greater than anything else that this earth or this life could possibly offer, right? that's what Paul's saying here to live is Christ, right? To live my, my life is Jesus. It's all about Jesus to worship him, to love him, to carry out the great commission as he calls us forward, but to die is gain. Cause I get to be with him, right? Number eight, considering what Paul is saying in the passage, what do you think would be a healthy balance for a Christian regarding Jesus' second coming? Right? So simple question, maybe not always the easiest to answer, but if we're here you know, what's the healthy balance for like looking forward to the second coming of Christ without being like weird and charts and weird things all over the the walls. But what's an unhealthy attitude on the other side too, right? Like, well, you know, am I secretly afraid that Jesus is coming back because I'm comfortable with my home, my house, my marriage, my kids, my job, my things, my stuff, you know what I mean? There's a balance in there somewhere. And I think that the, it starts by being careful of idols. You know what I mean? Just taking a look at our lives and, and asking a question of, you know, is Jesus sitting on the throne of my heart? Is he sitting on the throne of my life? Or, you know, am I, am I giving my time and my talents and treasure to something else? You know, and. Oftentimes, you know, we talk about a lot here at Emergence, our bank account can really show you what it is that you love, you know, where are your resources going to, where do you spend the most amount of your time? If God's gifted you with certain gifts of, of leadership, of talking to people, of counseling, of working with your hands or whatever else, do you use those for his kingdom or do you use those only for your own gain? You know, is a, is a question that I would encourage you to ask yourselves, um, and to the end, you know, we should look forward to Jesus's coming, but, uh, we shouldn't look forward to it so much that we absolutely ignore the time we have in this moment. So a little bit of a, um, of continuing through from the past themes. <clears throat> Question number nine, what does a person's attitude about Jesus's second coming communicate about his or her faith and relationship with Jesus? So I would say that the way in which we look forward to Jesus and his second coming coming—it probably says a lot about our relationship with him right now. So, for example, if I don't really want to think about it, right, if that's if I don't want to think about Jesus's second coming and that's uncomfortable to me, then I probably don't really want to think about Jesus right now either. And I would probably don't have much of a relationship with him when it comes to reading my Bible and praying and being in ministry, that there's probably not a lot of fruit in my life, despite the fact that I might be going to church or or, um, you know, Giving or tithing or, or whatever else, you know, if if I'm really don't care to think about what's coming around the corner as Jesus promises, then what else am I willing to not think about from what Jesus calls in my life? Um, if, for example, I'm fearing it, if I'm fearing Jesus' second coming and I'm worried, then what is it about my life that I'm actually worried about? What you know, is there sin in my life that is sitting somewhere? You know, is there somebody that I can go to uh, that you know something has been left unsaid or someone in my life that God's really putting on my heart to go and share the truth with or to go and love well, or maybe to forgive or come back to reconciliation with, you know, it'll communicate a lot. And if I don't want to talk about that, if I don't want to look at that, if I don't want to embrace that reality, then it's showing a lot about my relationship with Jesus, because it means that I don't really want to follow what Jesus is calling me to do in my life. I I don't want to have to think about forgiving someone who's hurt me for example, or I don't want to have to think about going to serve when, you know, my time is valuable to me, or I don't want to think about, um, that person that really hurt me in such a way and forgiving them, you know, all of these things, Jesus calls us here, you know, in order to walk and glorify Jesus in order to walk and glorify him to display him well to the world. Then it, he calls us to forgive. He calls us to love. He calls us to lay our life down, um, to love our enemy, you know, and in all of these things, they, they can be difficult. And all I'm saying is that when we look at the end of the age, you know, and Jesus' second coming, his parousia, when he comes back, you know, if I'm worried about that, if I'm nervous about that, if I'm anxiety, if I have anxiety thinking about it, or maybe if I just don't want to think about it or, or, you know, ignore it, then what does that say about my relationship with Jesus right now? You know, because it, it means that I probably don't have a close one with him. Whereas the opposite, right? If I love Jesus and and the fact that his return, I know and trust will be the most joyous occasion I can possibly have. And I look forward to that moment then there should be a zeal in my life. There should be joy in my life. I should look forward to being with Jesus, to reading my Bible, to spending time with his people, to worshiping him and giving to the kingdom, because this is the time that I have right now. And one day Jesus will be back and that time will be gone, right? Uh, just, you know, that's how I would kind of, uh, kind of look at that and uh, that question. Question number 10, the Bible calls all Christians to look forward to and prepare for Jesus's coming. And yet there are many people today who consider themselves a Christian, but do not really hope for Jesus's second coming. Uh, Why do you think this is? Um, This is an interesting question. I think Doug asked this one, Um, but I would probably say comfort, you know, comfort, fear, embarrassment. I I think I answered a a lot of this in that last question. uh, So I won't elaborate too much, but, you know, for Christians, especially if they're If they don't like to think, uh, maybe not think on, but rather they're not actually hoping for Jesus' second coming, then it it probably means that there's some kind of idol in their life, uh, some kind of idol in our lives. You know, if there's something that makes us uncomfortable about the idea of Jesus coming back, then then what is that and why? question number 11, be honest. If Jesus were to come back right now, would you be overjoyed at his arrival or would you find yourself wanting? And what does that tell you about your relationship with him? So kind of a a reiteration of nine with a point of application a little bit. If you're willing to be honest, you know, what are those things in your own life that maybe uh, God's calling you to be more faithful in? And, And the last question here, number 12, what is one thing that needs to change about your life to make you more prepared or more ready for Jesus? Awesome question. Maybe you guys split into, you know, smaller prayer groups of two or three but i would encourage you to ask this question and encourage one another uh to kind of pray and and sit down and say okay god what you know what does it mean for me to actually be more prepared for your arrival today tomorrow whatever that might be it right now before i even hit the end button on this podcast you know uh, are there things that are left unsaid or the things that you've put on my heart that maybe I should be doing right now? And and so hopefully we can end together uh, just praying that we would be a people that longs for Jesus' coming. And yet with the time that we have, be faithful and diligent and wise to use the best of this time and the best of this moment uh, to be able to share the gospel, to be able to proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus to a world that really longs to know it. And so to that end, I pray that God would bless you, uh, that we would see much fruit in ministry as we... Uh, seek to reflect Jesus well and and most importantly make disciples for his name so praying that you guys have an awesome conversation this week, call us if you have any questions shoot us an email, you can reach us at communities at emergenceinj.org Doug or myself or on Realm as well and we'll look forward to seeing you next week take care